This is the Valley of Grace podcast, helping women reclaim their power, soul, and identity so they will know they are enough. I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today I've got two special guests. They are Debbie and Kirk Taylor. We're going to talk about abuse, toxic relationships, divorce, and remarriage. I want to give a shout out to Timothy Horton for bringing our intro and outro music to us every week. Be blessed. Yes, yes. And uh, whichever one of you guys want to start off first, as far as telling us your life story, Deb, Debbie, if you want to start off. Okay. Yes, I'll be happy to. And thank you for having us. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So I'm a, a child of the 50s and um, I was born uh, near a ranch and my father was a third generation rancher. And the wow. first, yeah. And after, when I was about a year old, um, he there was a terrible winter, and he actually uh, was losing cattle. My mother had another baby, and he lost the ranch, which was a really sad thing for him. So they moved to a small town, mm-hmm. and um, it was very, very difficult for my parents, but he ended up moving into a different profession, and I had a fairly happy childhood. I, I was in a, a rural area and spent a lot of time outside. Um, just really enjoyed it. I ended up having four younger sisters. Oh, but my wow. mother. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Five girls. Five girls. And I was the oldest. My mother had was rather, she had a rough time. She was very emotional. She had a lot of problems. And she would scream and rage and slap mm. it. Okay, so that's how. Uh, she was able, that's how she got her problems out. I guess I would say so to speak. Yeah. All of her emotions. It wasn't in a healthy way. Yeah. No, it wasn't at all. And I ended up doing a lot of caretaking for my younger sisters. Okay. Was it because of the fact of your mother going through what she was going through? or was just kind of like your appointed job. Probably a little bit of both. Okay. I think I, I stepped in as a little girl to help out mm-hmm. my mom. Yeah. My mom had trouble. She had trouble coping. Okay. And my father, my father ended up uh, being in politics and he was very busy with He was very busy, uh, unemotional, did not protect me or my sisters from our mother's rages. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So by the time I hit my teenage years, um, I was very shy and secure and my mother, I would try and talk to her about what was I was going through. We moved to another town at that point. Mm-hmm. And all she could say is, what is wrong with you? She couldn't handle it. Mm. So, yeah. Okay. So then she started drinking uh, when I was about 12, pretty heavy. And um, again, my father was pretty unavailable. So I had accepted the Lord when I was eight at a Bible study. Okay. And God had his hand on me through all of this. I look back now. Yeah, eight years old. Wow, that's powerful. So um, my teenagers were were tough. They were really tough. My mom was having problems. So I was a good student, straight A, had plans to go to college. That was what the family um, theme was, go to college. Right. I went sideways when I was a senior. And at 17, I got pregnant. Okay. I got married. In those days, you got married. And so you got I got married right away. Oh, yeah, right away. Okay. I had my son when I was 18. Gotcha. Yeah. 
And we were really poor. My ex went to uh, medical school. Mm. We really struggled financially. Mm-hmm. Had uh, an, uh, three more children. Okay. Uh, my ex was very angry, controlling, raging, uh, very, very difficult. Wow. But, so it was almost kind of like a repeat of what you had just come from, huh? Exactly. So um, I wanted to leave. He had a private practice. I always thought um, it would get better when he right. got out of residency, when I got uh-huh. out of the army, when he went to private practice. I had a fourth child, which was a surprise and a blessing. And I was going to get a divorce. Mm. So but I went to a marriage seminar, Christian. Right. I accepted the Lord as an adult a couple of years before that. Mm-hmm. And actually, Lex, this wonderful husband of mine, was a speaker there. Right. And But the message was you stay married no matter what. And actually, yes, exactly. Lex got, Lex got the same message. So I stayed in that marriage. It was very difficult, very, mm. very I suffered from depression, anxiety, PTSD, okay. and uh, many, many years went by. I wanted to leave, and um, I became, I went back to school, became a marriage and family therapist, wow. and I had a lot of skills to stay in that marriage, let me tell you, and cope. Right. So I stayed and really wrestled with, um, first financially, I couldn't leave, then uh-huh. I could, and then it was... Um, have to stay married no matter what, be be a good Christian. Right. Um, and worried about my kids, worried about a divorce. Divorce exactly. causes a lot of issues. So, um, but then um, I got to the point where I was thinking about killing myself. I had a nice plan. Mm. Too. Wow. And it just got, got it, just uh, that bad. Yeah. It, and um, I had a, suffered emotional abuse, psychological abuse, and some sexual abuse. My ex was involved in pornography. Mm. Uh, When I realized I was thinking about killing myself as a therapist, I thought, this is ridiculous. Right. (laughs) So you know you had gotten to the point, huh? Yeah, I mean, really? So anyway, then I'm going to let Lex take over because I got my divorce and turned away from God for a while. But then I uh, turned back to him and was praying and praying for the, a godly man. And I'll let Lex tell you his life story. And then we can talk about how we met and got together. Okay. All right. Okay. I just got one quick question before we move over to his life story. Now, when the PTSD developed, was it a combination of, you felt like it was the combination of childhood plus the marriage, or it was like mainly the marriage that caused the PTSD? Um, it was both because I, uh, as a little girl, I had thought about killing myself a couple of times, which is very yes. odd for children. Very. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, um, it was very difficult, but I, I will say, yeah, the marriage really added to it, but I did, I want to say again, the Lord really, um, kept his hand on me all those years. That was Thank a huge blessing. I didn't, yes. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hurt myself because of him. Amen. Yeah. Okay. So that's all I wanted to just make sure, you know, that I was clear of when it happened or, you know, if it was one of those two things or you felt like it was both of them together. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, So now we'll, (laughs) we'll have Kirk to tell his story. And then, like you said, you can tell how you guys met. I would love to hear that. Great. Um, I was born in 1950 and uh, had Happy childhood, actually, mm. as far as I can remember. Okay. Uh, my folks were quite well to do when uh, they got married. They were married 10 years before they had me come along. And then uh, things financially started getting rougher for them. Mm. And okay. my father was in the newspaper business. And so he was transferred around the country a few times. And so we moved. Uh, but my growing up years, elementary school and middle school, were basically all in one spot. So oh. I had a good time. I, I know they went through bankruptcy twice. I was homesick one time when I was about maybe 11 years old. Okay. And, uh, they had borrowed money to buy the furniture in the house, but uh-huh. they couldn't make the payments. And so I'm homesick on the sofa in the living room, crouping and coughing. Right. And the guys arrived to take the furniture and I had to get off the sofa because they were hauling it away. Oh, wow. So 
That had to be really something as a child to uh, have to go through that. You know, it's pretty traumatic. It's like one minute you got furniture, the next thing you know, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And so I think that it it actually helped me grow up to be a little more frugal and to Mm. realize the dangers of getting into too much debt. So in it was a good message, even though as a kid, it was quite upsetting. I'm quite sure, right. Then, uh, you know, between the ages of 12 and 17, my folks went through a great deal of struggle financially. Uh And uh, my mother started drinking, uh, hiding it. They call it closet drinking. Well, it was literally in the closet because I would find the little bottles hidden in her closet. Kids are stupid. I know they sure are. I'm telling you, when you think that they're not looking, kids see everything. They see everything. So. Uh I watched how she coped by her uh, drinking is how she got out of the pain she was going through. Wow. So as a kid, I had I was disillusioned with life. I had watched my parents work hard, uh-huh. had a great work ethic, couldn't make ends meet. And I'm going, well, what's the purpose of life? You live, you suffer and you die. And wow. so I- I'm just going to enjoy my life and I'm uh-huh. not going to get hung up and trying to become something. Uh, so at age 17, I skipped my high school graduation and moved to Hawaii to surf. Oh, and, really? Wow. Yeah. After everything that had, when you saw the end result of all of the time and effort that was put in place by your parents, but to still end up at the place they were at. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So it's almost yeah. like that did something to your soul, huh? It did. And so I was there. I got a job uh, working as a carpenter and. Uh, uh, worked in Hawaii and surfed, and but in my heart of hearts, I had this yearning that God gave me. I know now that He gave me, and it was like this big, huge question: What is the purpose of life? Why wow. am I here? Hmm. And I would gaze up at the stars, and I would go, "I see the stars, but what's behind them? And then what's behind that? And what's behind that?" And that would boggle my mind. I couldn't understand it. But I knew there must be an answer to why we're here and why this beautiful universe was created. Amen. And so, you know, I uh, I had that hunger and, and eventually God used that to bring me to him. Um, we'd surf and work and I know mean, sometimes we'd almost run out of money. And I remember when we'd almost run out of money, our dinner was a third a can of Campbell's soup on white uh-huh. rice. Oh. And then once a week we would go to the all you could eat buffet and we couldn't hardly walk home. We ate so much. So uh, <laughs> you almost but, made yourself sick, huh? Yeah. Woo. So and so then me and my close friend really started seriously seeking what's the meaning of life. And we looked right. in Eastern religions and meditation and uh, all kinds of things. And I can't tell you why, but at age 18, I went and bought a Bible. Really? And I can't tell you why. I was buying a guitar. But anyway, oh. I also bought Bible at the bookstore next door, started reading it and read through the whole thing. Uh, Didn't find Jesus as my savior, but somehow I was drawn to the word of God. Again, that was his spirit wooing me and drawing me. Amen. My friend goes home uh, for Christmas from Hawaii and he gets saved at this prayer meeting and he writes me immediately and starts sending me gospel tracts and telling me when I've got to come back for Christmas this Uh year and go meeting with him. Oh, and wow. So I did because he and I were partners in the search, right? Right. And so I go there and I'm sitting in the back row of this uh, this prayer meeting and and uh, I'm just watching what goes on and an invitation comes to accept Jesus. And I just buried my head and did not want to move. I was <laughs> I it. You weren't moving. <laughs> I came back the next day. And when the minister said, if you want to be saved, I want you to raise your hand. I never bowed my head. I stared right at her. She was a woman minister. Really? And stood up and walked forward. I couldn't stay in my chair. And wow. she led me in the sinner's prayer, and I accepted oh. the Lord. And then uh, I totally gave myself to him at that point because I knew the purpose of life. He had answered that inner missing thing. What is, why am I here? Why am I here? And exactly. So I went, I got saved and just throw, threw myself into that. And I went from wearing board shorts and a t-shirt to a coat and tie, working at a lending institution. 
where I got robbed at gunpoint twice, which is a at the institution area. you were working at. Yeah, it was a financial lending institution. Oh wow! And so we got robbed twice. It was in a pretty rough neighborhood. Oh. Uh, so and then I served as a went to the Philippines as a missionary for a while down on uh -huh. Mindanao. And that was in a pretty rough time. Uh, I remember the minister after I came back home sent me a picture of one of the rebels that they used to put keep their ear. They'd cut the, the victim's ear off and put it in a jar and pickle it for all the people they'd killed. And oh, I didn't my word. a bad spot, but that was down there as a missionary for a while. It made me appreciate what we have in this country. That's for now sure. what country was that? Uh, that was in the Philippines down. On OK, Minden. in the Philippines. Wow. Philippines. Hmm. I got married. I got married at age 23. Um, I was enamored with the idea of marriage. Okay. It was a mismatch from the beginning. Really? And it was a long and painful marriage. I thought as a Christian, I could not get a divorce. Uh -huh. So I endured some pretty rough stuff for 43 years before I could finally say the word divorce in prayer to God. Uh -huh. And that was a life-changing moment because he just embraced me with his love and compassion and understanding because mm. he saw what I was going through. So uh, that was a, a beautiful thing. My salvation was beautiful and being free from a destructive marriage. It wasn't just refining, it was destructive. And it that's was destructive, wow. Would you uh, consider it as being uh, emotionally abusive? Definitely, verbally okay. and emotionally abusive, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it wasn't okay. physical abuse, but it, it actually, some I think emotional and and mental abuse is worse than physical sometimes. Mm. Yep, you're right. Sometimes it can end up, like you said, because you don't necessarily see the scars. The scars are there. You know, yes. they're inside of your soul and people yes, are not are. seeing it. Yeah. Yes. So they yeah. think, oh, well, he's he's okay. She's okay. No, yeah. I'm, I'm not okay. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. God is so miraculous and so loving and kind and, and wonderful on my business side. You know, I started out disillusioned with life. I'm just going to uh -huh. enough to make money and eat my rice and soup. Right. And so then he puts me in a profession where he took me from working just as a forklift operator to owning my own company uh -huh. and being financially successful by his grace and his plan. And then I ended up selling the company six months before COVID hit. Wow. And had COVID hit us, we were small enough to where it would have really been difficult to survive. But God in his mercy saw that coming and and set us set me free but one day i was well, the way it happened was i was driving home from work one day and the lord said to me i'm going to give you something of your own and i thought well what does that mean right so <laughs> go back to work the next morning my boss calls me in and he says do you want to buy this company with me i go yeah but i don't have any money right he, well, let's work out a plan and see if they'll accept it so we ended up buying the company me and him and another minor partner for five years of sweat equity and didn't wow. have a dollar into it. But then God, that was God's blessing and, and his reward for uh, uh, just his love for me. I don't know why. So, and in my Christian walk, I've served as worship leader, a prayer meeting leader, a lay pastor and associate pastor. Um, I've written two books, a short Bible study books uh -huh. and the book that uh, uh, Debbie and I wrote also. Oh. So. Uh, anyway, that's and we've ended up after a rough life in an amazing spot. And, and to find out where we are is just such a blessing. Oh, my word. I bet it is. Like you said, to be to go from where you were uh, to where you are now. And like you said, God's grace, as far as you've been able to sail six months before COVID, that was yes. a blessing, too. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. Wow. So that's kind of a rough summary of our of our lives and uh well so how did you guys that's what i'm trying to figure out like the next question would be how it is um that you guys ended up meeting well it it it, it was a god thing it was the lord because um i was divorced for 11 years okay. and um yeah and i i um disobeyed the lord uh -huh. I was disillusioned with the church, and I think I was angry at God because he didn't fix my ex. 
Ah, okay. Gotten, yeah, my ex had gotten so worse over the years that um, it, it, I can't even describe what was going on. He was having trouble wow. in his professional life also. Oh, okay. So, um, so I, I would get on my knees and pray and nothing happened, right? Mm-hmm, of course. Yep. <laughs> I was doing all the work and he was doing nothing. So I was disillusioned and I, I, I did do some things that were totally out of the Lord's will. But then I turned back and I always prayed to God, but I, I did things I shouldn't have done. Uh And I started praying for the Lord to bring me a godly man. Right. I wanted to be back, be in relationship, back in relationship with the Lord. I wanted a godly man. But then I finally got to the point where I just said, I'm done. I'm just going to take care of my kids and grandkids. I'm finished with all of this. Right. The whole dating scene, everything. Everything. Well, Mm. then Kirk came in because his wife, his ex-wife had been my client six years before. Really? Yeah. And I had met Kirk um, earlier a couple times. And um, he came into my office to ask me to help with his ex-wife to get her back into counseling to try and help her. Uh-huh. Um, and he can explain more of that later. But I was, he came in a couple times and I'd been counseling for maybe 20 plus years by then. Uh-huh. Never been attracted to a client ever. And he was sitting there and all of a sudden I had this huge bodily ping, I call it. My whole body went, whoa. And, and I just went, oh my gosh. And of course in counseling, you have to keep a straight face. Right. So I, I'm going through all this and just like, you know, being very professional. So he left and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so attracted to him. And I prayed and the Lord said, do the right thing. Well, the right thing, of course, was nothing. He was married. I can't date a client for two years. Right. So I did nothing and thought about him a lot. Uh Uh, I would go out on my stand up paddleboard. Uh, on the lake, and he right. had a condo near me, uh-huh. and I looked for him, but I never found him. But uh-huh. guess what? What's when that? He was in the last part of his divorce, he contacted me. Really? He did, and the Lord brought us together. We actually interviewed each other for three months. Three wow. Months. Yeah, and um, then we started dating, and then uh, we got married and we've had, we can talk about that too, but it's wonderful to be in re- married to a person who is respectful and kind and loving and loves the Lord. Oh my word. Yes. A huge difference from being in a toxic relationship. Now I've got a question um, and either one of you guys can answer it. What would, what would be your definition of a toxic relationship? And then why do you think Christians remain in uh, toxic relationships for so long? Well, uh, my simple definition is this, because this is what I lived through. When a relationship is damaging, it's toxic. If it's refining, that's different. But if it's damaging you either physically, from physical abuse, or Mm -hmm. from the stress of a very wrong relationship, it's damaging you physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, that's a toxic relationship. And I don't think God wants us in toxic relationships that are destructive. Uh, So that would be my brief summary of a toxic relationship. Thank you. And so, uh, Debbie, why do you think that uh, Christians remain in those toxic relationships for so long? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, A toxic relationship basically is when um, a person's being mistreated right. emotionally, psychologically, sexually, physically, uh-huh. um, being disrespected. So uh-huh. why do Christians stay in? Well, we both stayed in because we thought we had to stay married no matter what. We took right. it out. Um, we didn't, uh, Jesus said for adultery, you can leave a uh, marriage. Yes, he but did. There, yeah. But you know what? Um, there are a lot of, other factors too and i think use of pornography can be thought of as adultery yes very damaging to relationships um abuse abuse breaks the covenant it breaks the marriage does doesn't it Uh, Mm -hmm. honor obey yeah respect 
and um, of course adultery. So um, as Lex, I mean, as Kirk said earlier, if you're being really damaged and you're not reaching your full potential in God's eyes, then that needs to be looked at very closely. So, so Christians, they stay married because they think they have to, yeah, and they're not really uh, coming to grips with what's going on with them and how damaged they're becoming. That is so true. Like you said, because one thing you think about with Christians is always like we end up in a situation where I just got to keep, I know, you know, and especially with women, because we go into fix it mode. I just yes. got to figure out like the magic formula. I know I can figure it out. And as soon as I do, you know, I can change him. I know I can change him. I can get him to change. You know, I just got to pray harder. You know, I, I got to figure out the magic formula. You know, maybe if we start going out more, not realizing like it's to get to that uh, situation of it being that toxic is more than just um, going out. You know what I'm saying? Or something physical fixing the problem, you know? And like you said, the thing about it is when you're in it, you don't realize just how much uh, you are being emotionally and um, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually uh, drained and pulled and damaged, which in turn because of that man body soul connection in turn it ends up being physical problems you know yes yeah yeah oh my word so what do you think um kirk what do you think causes a disconnect in relationships in general well that's a there's so many answers to that but the few thoughts that i have on it would be uh, sometimes it's a mismatch from the beginning that gets revealed over time. You know, okay. in the initial, yes. in the initial uh, high of a new relationship and the excitement of a new romantic relationship, uh -huh. we don't see uh, the underlying realities. And so sometimes it's truly just a mismatch. The chemistry cools off and then the reality of the of the mismatch shows up. That is true, isn't it? <laughs> it is yeah. no longer that what that honeymoon stage is over. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then uh, personality disorders recognized too late. You know, sometimes you don't realize somebody has a real problem that they haven't worked through. They're carrying it with them. And now I've met them and I, they're in my relationship. And they have those problems that they can't fix right now and they're not working on. And that can certainly cause a disconnect. And For sure. When one of the persons in the relationship draws closer to God and the other doesn't or doesn't want to or doesn't want to work on the marriage and the issues, it, what we've learned is it takes both people in a relationship to make it work. They have to both want to make it work they want to have to be willing to admit their shortcomings and their faults and care about the other person more than themselves. And then uh, harmony can be obtained and a marriage can work. But when one is seeking and one isn't, you know, don't be unequally yoked, uh, the scripture says, because if one's walking with the Lord and one isn't, that, that creates a real disconnect in the spirit, which ripples through every other aspect of a relationship. That is so true. You write every other aspect. And like you said, with that being unequally yoked. And like you said, one person is usually, you know, all in as far as like giving it the best they've got. And then the other person is like, well, I don't know if I want it. I might, you know, they might be like three to 5% in of really wanting it. You know what I'm saying? I do. So yes. that makes a huge Perfect. difference. Uh, Debbie, I'm wondering if you could, um, kind of elaborate on how the lack of boundary sets the stage for a person to become a target for abuse. Yes, uh, boundaries are really important and there's great Christian books out there, Boundaries mm -hmm. by Cloud Townsend. Yeah. Um, boundaries are really important because um, they're a psychological boundary, mm -hmm. also physical. Right. But yeah, so if somebody comes in your boundaries, they're they're actually uh, violating you. Your boundary is um, kind of a, a bubble around you, right? And uh, physically, is when somebody hits you, but psychologically, it's when somebody verbally or emotionally abuses you. So, for a person who has what we call open boundaries, uh -huh. you don't have very good protection. Uh -huh. um, you have very small 
small boundaries, um, it's it's easy for an abuser to move in. For open boundaries, got you. They're called open. And so in my case, um, since I had that verbal abuse when I was a little girl, I wasn't able to actually set good boundaries where I would tell people, no, don't talk to me that way. This isn't okay. Right. I didn't even know it wasn't okay. I was used to it. So um, and very important to have good personal boundaries where you can understand where you end and the other person begins. So if somebody starts uh, hurting you in some way, you know it and you can push them back out of your, okay. your um, psychological and physical boundaries. Yes. Yep. So. That is so true. And like you said, because what if you what you had experienced uh, in your childhood, it kind of sets a stage for you to think that that was OK, you know. Exactly. And then then that's when leads can lead to abuse. Got you. Toxic relationships. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Yes, that is so true. And uh, Kirk, just did you want to give your input on that as far as the boundaries were concerned? Well, I think Sharice uh, or uh, Debbie said it real well. I <laughs> know. <laughs> but uh, bull- bullies need to be confronted, and if they're not, they rush in uh, even harder. I I liken it unto bulls in a pasture with no fence. Yeah. Oh uh, my word, that's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. If a bull is in a pasture with no fence, you can go up to the fence, and the fence is your boundary, and it keeps the bull from you, and you're on the other side. But if you mm-hmm. have no boundaries, that bull can trample you. Just and, keeps running up and trampling, like you said, running yeah. over you or poking you, so to speak, too, right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. are so healthy and good in all aspects of life and mm-hmm. relationships and with children, with family, with friends, and with uh, intimate relationships in particular. Right. Oh, my word. That is so true. Like you said, in, in, in intimate relationships, too, because we think a lot of times we want to be liked. You know, and yes. then we don't realize like part of people understanding more about our identity and who we are is like having those boundaries in place. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't yes. just meet you for the first time and bring you into my home and say, go to any room you want to and open up every door. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if you've been raised in a difficult situation, Cherie's childhood set the the stage for no boundaries because she was told that, you know, she was wrong and, and she was always the problem, even though she was being abused verbally, right? Sometimes physically, actually. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. So it's because she thought it was okay for the bull to come through the fence and, and poke her. Right. She, 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 God had to help her establish those boundaries to make her healthy and safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Yes. And so now I want you guys to shift gears a little bit and tell the audience about the meat and potatoes of your book. Should you stay or should you go? And if you want to talk a little bit about, you know, your marriage and like some things you guys had to do, you know, coming from where you, you know, the background you came from, feel free. Well, we wrote the book um, to help people because we were both trapped in these very difficult, miserable marriages. And I, Mm -hmm. mine was 35, Kirk's was 43 years. Wow. And it wasn't good for us. And it wasn't good, probably good for our spouses. And it certainly wasn't good for the kids. Right. We, we wanted to write this book to, to help people, help Christians to really start opening their eyes and figure out Look at their marriages honestly, uh-huh. not putting on the oh everything's perfect because we exactly. both did that. Uh-huh. And to really look at it honestly and get help if you can. Right. And if the marriage is salvageable and you can work with a, a good therapist or pastor or and the Lord uh-huh. and get that straightened out, but really be honest about what is going wrong. What's not uh-huh. happening? Is this a toxic relationship? Right. Is it- you know, and and I didn't mention addictions are really important to look at. Mm. Uh, if you're caught in a, a marriage with an addict, porn, alcohol, drugs, there is a real problem there. Um, so we wanted to really try and help people define and start being honest with themselves. And it, and if it's a very 
damage in marriage and one partner is not willing to work on it or has so many issues. Right. It's okay to get a divorce. And I'll let um, Kirk speak to that because we went through this. You know, God hates divorce. Well, that's because it, it causes problems. But right. Um, let Kirk explain a little bit why we, um, what we talk about in the book about when divorce is probably most likely okay with the Lord. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, was held prisoner by the mental belief uh -huh. that you couldn't get a divorce no matter what, like you said in the beginning when we were first talking. Right. And uh, I was caught in that. So I thought this is my lot in life. Uh, I'm going to have to put up with all of this because there is no escape. And I got so uh, depressed with it that I also had a suicide plan. Uh -huh. I thought through where I would do it, uh -huh. how I would do it, uh -huh. all the time knowing I could never really do it because uh -huh. I, God didn't want me to. But there was that was a bit of a pressure relief valve for me. Uh -huh. Just uh, having that whole setup in your head. Yeah, that, okay, I can get out if it gets too bad. I, okay. I take, and then I started thinking, what is the matter with me? Uh -huh. And I thought, God doesn't see this. Of course he sees it. He saw me thinking those things, and I thought they were hidden from him, uh -huh. but, or that I couldn't talk to him about them. Right. And, and so, I mean, the abuse that I suffered was verbal. Uh, mm. told how stupid I was when I had an opinion that differed from my exes. Okay. Uh, and uh, just it was she was always personally attacking. We could never discuss the difference and the subject matter. It was mm. always a attack, and it, it was oh true. wow. Uh, and so it, you know, I remember I'll digress for a moment. But in the first seven years of my marriage, uh, my mother-in-law would not let us have a marriage. She was talking to my ex, uh -huh. getting upset. I'd be up till two or three in the morning trying to talk her down and pray with her to calm her down over something her mother had said. Oh, her wow. Mother, so she was mother, like so tied to her mother some kind of way, huh? You couldn't have said it better. Mm. Uh, she had such soul ties to her mother and her mother to her that she, that she, uh, she wanted us to live in an apartment above their garage and, and uh, stay there with them and not move out on our own. And the first seven years were so traumatic and difficult. Uh -huh. it, it, I look back on it now and I go, I really should have gotten out of the marriage a lot earlier. I think the children would have been better. There was damage happening to them, uh -huh. emotional damage. And uh, uh, one of them still carries that damage with them today. The other one came out okay. But okay. Uh, anyway, so w what I realized is that uh, I went to the Lord in prayer. Uh -huh. And I remember this night, I'll never forget it. I said, Lord, I don't want to do anything that would bring shame to your name. Right. Cause you to remove your favor from my life because uh -huh. he so blessed me. And I knew he was responsible for keeping me safe in so many ways. Amen. And when I said, and I talked with him about, and I mentioned the word divorce in uh -huh. prayer, which that was taboo. Uh -huh. I opened my heart, which he already saw, right. to him honestly. Uh -huh. He just poured out upon me for three hours. I was weeping and talking to him, and he was talking to me. Wow. And, and he said, I've seen this all. I understand. I'm going to be with you. It's going right. to be okay. And it was an amazing time when I opened my heart to him with all the pain that I thought I couldn't carry to him. Uh-huh. And that's when I got free to, to to seek a divorce. And that's what I did. Wow. And so, and it was just amazing. And something God showed me, and I don't know that this helps everybody, but the eternal purpose, we, we in heaven, there's neither male nor female. There's not marriage uh, or any of that. We are the bride of Christ, but there's no marriage. And so we start with Adam and Eve in the garden, uh -huh. one we go through the age of the kings when Solomon and David had hundreds of wives. And oh, concubines. my goodness, Solomon. Oh, my word, 700 and yeah. something wives and concubines. I don't need, and we know it's enough drama just trying to keep one relationship intact, but <laughs> 700, almost 800 relationships. Oh, my word. 
Oh, I know. But then, and so David goes off and commits murder and adultery. Mm -hmm. And God's answer to him is, you could have asked me, I'd have given you more women. That's I mean, exactly what he said. Isn't that something? Yeah. And so, okay, <laughs> so that's an interesting part of God's thought on marriage. Mm -hmm. And then we come to our current culture, which is a man and a wife, basically, in, in one relationship. Right. With two exceptions. But then, where you die and go to heaven, and there's no marriage. And so, what the Lord helped me with was this if our journey through life damages or hinders our eternal end of the story where we're going to be with him in heaven if it damages our relationship with him if it damages how we think and feel in the spirit or what we understand then that relationship should be aborted if it's doing damage to the eternal purposes of god if we're Man. being refined that's good mm -hmm. okay and refining is wonderful but being damaged is not okay isn't and that the truth even god divorced israel there's two scriptures in the old testament where he did that yeah and put them away okay and so god had a divorce mm -hmm. when when it got to a certain point he did that so yeah that helped me get free and then you know uh, to to it was amazing how God brought us together. Uh, mm. First time I saw Cherie was about 25 years before I got divorced and picking mm. up a medical record and she was working in a medical office mm -hmm. and she, she walked by the window and I looked at her and I just thought, oh my, she's attractive. She's attractive. <laughs> so confessions of a man in a tough marriage, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and so, but And then our paths crossed over the years and then uh when when god finally brought us together it was just such a beautiful beautiful thing and our book talks about all of the stuff we went through and mm. and we talked about quite a bit in detail it, it, okay. it's we don't hold any secrets back mm -hmm. we share some pretty ugly stuff that happened to us and that we went through right and uh, we try to share that openly because we want people to know they're not the only ones mm -hmm. they're not the only ones and mm -hmm. that there's hope for them. And so we share about our abuse. We share about our mistakes mm. and then share about how uh, I can't tell you how beautiful it is to have the marriage that I have. Mm. It, it's, it's, you read the scriptures about marriage and you mm -hmm. go, this was God's intention. Amen. And when I was 16 years old, I had a yearning in my heart for a soulmate. Mm. Had it deep in me. And I think that's why I rushed into my first marriage. I wanted that to be fulfilled. Right. Well, when uh, Debbie came into my life, that was fulfilled. And mm -hmm. it was, oh, Lord, now mm. I understand that yearning with the, with the right person can be oh, so my word. rewarding. And, but it, uh, it took me till I was 64 mm -hmm. to find that because of my journey. Mm. Yep, that is so true. And like you said, with the yearning, with the having the right person to fulfill that, you know, because either either it's the right person or you're it's, it's a nightmare, one of the two, right? If it's not the right person. Oh, my word. And yes. then, uh, Debbie, I'm just uh, wanting to see if you can answer the question for me. Why you think and this is because we already hit on soul ties. We mentioned a little bit why you think it's important to break soul ties and unhealthy patterns of behavior before entering another relationship. And like I said, we already had an example of talking about your husband's seven-year drama. So yeah, if you can just elaborate on that for us a little bit. Well, if, if you don't, if a person doesn't work on their patterns, their uh, relationship patterns and, and relating patterns, they will normally, and their studies show this, they'll go pick another one. They'll go pick another uh, person just the same as the one they just left. So really important to work on your issues. Um, really get help. You know, uh -huh. Go to a pastor, go to a pastor, um, go to the Lord and work on those and break those. Break those old um, unhealthy patterns so that you're healthy and then you're going to attract a healthier person. Um, this is so key because, um, people will go into the same relationship time after time after time, because they're not getting what's within them healed. Uh -huh. 
That makes sense. So the, 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 the next person will be the same person, but just with a different name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I read that story before. Yeah. Well, I've seen that movie before, but yeah, yeah. So, the unfortunate part about it is that you're one of the characters in that movie, right? Because you right. haven't, like you said, had that come to Jesus moment. Like, what's the common denominator? What What is it I'm not figuring out that I keep on attracting these same people? Oh, what, my goodness. What is happening to me? Yes. Yeah. Right. right. What is going on? So yeah. what do you feel um, holds most people back when it comes to making progress before uh, when it comes to relationships in general? You see what I'm saying? Like in order for the person to want to, and I can hear from both of you guys on this, uh, it don't matter, Debbie, if you want to start first, like when it comes to a person deciding, okay, I need to start being responsible and taking uh, taking some type of lead in uh, deconstructing all of this junk I've got in me. What do you think that holds people back from making progress from being able to do that? Well, you know, old patterns um fear. Mm -hmm. fear fear is huge mm -hmm. um i think you know just the logical ones are finances sometimes oh, yeah. people feel like they can't leave a relationship because of finances um children you know that you want to make your children are safe right so there, there's tons of factors the abuse factor because that's a trap and and the ptsd you know uh, people get down when they down on abuse victims. They go, mm -hmm. why don't they just leave? Why don't they just get out of there? Well, you know what? Right. When you're a victim of abuse, you it, it's it's hard. Uh, you need a lot of help. Um, it's very difficult. You are really literally trapped. Yes. Psychologically, maybe physically. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just a lot of factors going to it. Yep. It can be very difficult, but there are, there. Are, it needs to be really talked about and thought about. Mm -hmm. I agree. And like you said, the victims, a lot of times uh, it's hard on them because of the fact that other people are constantly asking them, like, why didn't they get out or why did they stay in so long? When, if you've not been in that, it's hard for you to even imagine what's going on, you know, where you are, your mind has literally, your mind and soul has been hijacked. You know, you end up with trauma bonds and soul ties and so you know and you're just thinking right and then if you're a christian on top of it you know you got that yeah. factor i've got to stay in it you know what i mean and then yeah. if you've got issues of uh, low self-esteem and low self-worth then you end up saying like you know this is what i deserve you know i, I gotta stay in it you know because i you know if you don't feel good about yourself then you figure you know you, you need that other person to provide that even though they're doing the opposite some kind of way in your mind, you know, the devil has you thinking that this other person is providing it for you. And if you don't have them, what are you going to do? You know, once exactly. that person is no longer in your life. And like you said, a lot of it is the fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. Or like me, my thinking was, it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to get better if the situation changes. Right. But yeah. Yes. Because that was me with my... <laughs> Uh, perfectionism issues, I thought that if I could just be, you know, the good wife, you know, good enough, I wanted to to flight. And I was, my escapism mode was if the kids, you know, they look like they're in tip top shape, they're healthy, you know, they, they're dressed real good. The house is dressed real good. I'm the best wife. And, you know, uh, just everything is perfect. Then that was going to be able to keep him in line, you know, and that was my trauma talking, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. But um, and then, Kirk, what do you have that you want to give input on that one as far as what holds most people back? You think yeah, just a couple of small comments. Sure. I think progress, progress could be down two pathways mm -hmm. progress in salvaging and healing a broken or, or damaged relationship or progress in your own personal growth and getting out of a relationship that's not salvageable. True. And I think that those two ways to go. And to me, being honest with yourself about what the situation really is, uh, was a real eye opener for me personally. Mm -hmm. I excusing my ex's behavior, 
thinking it was not what it really was, that I was the problem. I started accepting the abuse, saying I must be the problem. It mm -hmm. must be me. And, but always underneath that, I knew it's not me. It's not me. It's the, it's her. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally realized it really is her, it was amazing when I got my divorce, my friends and family would say, we saw it all along. We wondered why you didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was being honest and open with yourself about what it really is. A, a partner of mine once said, leopards don't change their spots. You can shave their hair, but the spots grow back. And sometimes in a situation, the, the, the spouse will put on a Band-Aid to the thing and start looking good for a short span of time. Yeah. And then, bang, they're right back into it again. Yep. So be honest about what it really is. And mm -hmm. then I think either make progress to fix it when both people are interested in fixing it, you can fix it if they really honestly are. And if they're not, then probably the option is to leave and get yourself in order and then help yourself. Yep, that is so true. And as you were talking about the spots coming back, a lot of times that's what ends up reinforcing the trauma bond because you see that other individual getting better for maybe two months and then it's yes. like just when you at it's almost like people who have those toxic character traits. It's almost like it's a sixth sense in them that lets them know that you are like at, on a little bit of a high from like realizing like I, there's some hope here, but you don't realize it's false hope. So, you know, just like right when you're at the point of being really comfortable and thinking that they're about to, to uh, have some type of major come to Jesus moment is when you get squashed and you drop back down again, you know, like they say, the roller coaster up and down, which only reinforces, you know, the trauma bond and makes the whole situation worse. But yeah, like you said, you're thinking, wow, you know, he's changing, you know, she's changing. Uh -huh. and, and, and so, you know, th there's some hope here, but you don't realize they're giving you false hope. What you're doing is just the whole relationship has just been nothing but up and down cycles the whole time, you know? Kind of like Very well said. Yeah. Mm -hmm, throwing you a breadcrumb here and there and uh, just to give you a little bit of false hope. And so it can go right back to the way it was. Right? So, yeah. And, yeah. So like you said, you could end up easily being in something like that 20, 30, 40, 50 years or even all the way literally, sadly, until, you know, it's time for the Lord to call you home unless, you yeah. know, something happens where we have a come to Jesus moment. Right. And you know what's interesting? When you step away from a toxic relationship, sometimes it helps this person you stepped away from. It does. Sometimes it does. Yeah. They, they absolutely have to find something else. And sometimes they get uh, a little help. Not always, but that can happen. Mm -hmm. yeah, they just continue their path. Usually they just yep. continue. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. It's just yeah. another person, like another theater production, you know, yes. the same right. story, but starring another man or woman <laughs> with that person nine times yeah. out of ten you know it's oh, like a rerun of a popular movie they keep just rescreening redoing them over that's and over. it yeah. <laughs> and then, like you said it's a rescreen and just with a different name you know yeah. and, and it's sad but we as individuals you know human beings we think and especially with christians like you say with that going into fix it mode between that and thinking that we can uh be good enough or love somebody enough and to change right. it you yes. know, and, and yeah. that just can't happen. Mm -hmm. So can you tell people before we get to the rapid fire questions, Deb, where they can purchase your uh, books and where they can reach you? Yes, uh, they can purchase our books. Uh, the name of the site is MileyBooks.com. That's mm -hmm. Amazon, A-I-L-E, Books.com. And uh, we named it that Miley in Hawaiian means love, honor, and respect. Oh, I love and it. So, uh, Miley Books is uh, our website. They can uh, find several different avenues to purchase the book from Miley Books. And if they want to contact us, it's info at MileyBooks.com. Okay, info at MileyBooks.com. I love it. Right. Wow. And you can also, they could also get it on Amazon. Um, and if, you're, if they're Kindle users, it can be downloaded. So it's on Amazon. There are unfortunately some books with similar names. So you have to look mm -hmm. for uh, Deborah and Kirk Taylor as right. the authors. Right. Okay. Are. Yeah. Wow. That is wonderful. 
And now it's time for the rapid fire questions. And so, Deb, I'll have you to start, then Kirk, and then we'll go to the next question. What is okay. your favorite kitchen gadget? Oh, coffee maker. Oh, okay. So it's the coffee maker for you. What about you, Kirk? <laughs> the vacuum seal. I can take all of our wonderful fresh Hawaiian fish and vacuum seal it, and it stays great for a year. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. It's neat. Oh, wow. It sounds fun, actually. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. And then, Deb, what is your favorite, um, your five favorite songs actually on your playlist? Oh, let's see. I have a variety. Yesterday by the Beatles, Amazing like Grace, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, The Rolling Stones, Over the Rainbow, and that's our song. Mm. Uh, White Sandy Beaches of Hawaii. Oh, wow. That's a beautiful list. What about you, Kirk? <laughs> well, Over the Rainbow by Izzy is our first because I learned that song to sing to Cherie. And I, I had wanted to learn it for a long time, and I finally did, and I sang it to her one day, and it brought her to tears. So that's oh, our song. Wow. Yes. And then I love the song Days of Elijah, mm. and a Hawaiian song, Kanaka Vai Vai, mm. which is fun to sing in Hawaiian and in English, mm -hmm. uh, Victory in Jesus, Amen. and uh, We Are a Moment by Robin Mark. Okay, We Are a Moment. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds nice. Okay, Deb, name three books that you feel like you just can't live without. Well, let's see the Bible. Oh, yeah. Uh, Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend that changed my life. Yes, that's a good one, isn't it? Yes. And then the other one is by Walden's Pond by Throw because I love nature. I love to be out in nature. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Those are nice. I like those. <laughs> what about you, Kurt? Uh, well, I could never live without my Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Mm. I seem to find anything I'm looking for, although the Internet is replacing it to some degree. It's still mm -hmm. my go-to Bible. And then Boundaries, for me, again, was such a confirmation of what we I had gone through personally. Oh, yes. And then uh, Why They Hate, which was the story of uh, a, a gal who lived north in Syria, north of uh, Israel, and the conflict between Israel and its enemies and how gracious the Israeli people were. It opened my eyes mm. to some of what uh, uh, Israel goes through. So, Okay. Uh, why they hate. Yeah, why they hate. Okay. Wow. That sounds like a very interesting title, like make you wonder, you know, the contents of the book are better good. Yeah. So, Deb, what does the answer to the to those three questions I just asked, what does it say about you? Well, let's see. I I love uh, God, my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. I uh, like to relax. And I'm a 60s kid, obviously. <laughs> and um, yeah, I just love being in nature and being close to God's creation. Amen. Amen. Yeah. What about you, Kirk? Well, I, I suppose it says that I do love God and I want to walk with him. And uh, I want boundaries in my life. Uh, and that book so resonated with me. And I always enjoy a greater understanding of uh, Israel and the Jewish people and their history and why they're persecuted and uh, the biblical prophecy about Israel mm -hmm. and their gift to mankind because God chose them to teach us all. And sure did. Amen. So, uh, I, that's what I liked about uh, that. Amen. So Debbie, we'll start, I'll start off with you. What are some parting words of wisdom that you would like to leave with the audience? If, well, I would say if you're in a toxic relationship, get help, get help, go talk to a counselor, go talk mm -hmm. to pastor right um get a good attorney you know get a good attorney find out where you are um try and try and repair the relationship of course if you can right but unrepairable you need to really um pray and think about what you're going to do next you want to make plans um 
I would always tell women and men too, if they're in a toxic relationship or a damaging relationship, you got to make plans. You do, don't you? Yeah. Make plans, go to school, get trained if you need to, um, have a safety escape. If you're being really abused physically, Mm -hmm. you're in danger or sexually get that escape route. Make sure your kids are safe. Oh, Um, yes. Yeah. Pray to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. Read our book. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, yeah, but get help. Okay. Get help. Uh, don't don't be ashamed. Don't keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hard, I know. Mm-hmm. Trying to suffer silently. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. How about you, Kirk? Well, uh, I'll start with what Sheree just touched briefly. Read our book because it helps you if you can fix your relationship and it helps you if you need to get out. It gives you enough clarity, I believe, to really help you make a good decision. And at the end, there's a series of self-assessment questions that let you kind of be honest with what you really have. Where, What are you really in? So Mm -hmm. that would be a good point. And then I, I would say be honest with yourself and about your relationship and don't hesitate to pour out to God all of your pain and all your concerns openly and honestly uh, and your struggles because he will meet you. He will meet you when you turn to him no matter what it is. Mm. And also mostly for women, but a fear of loss financially or fear of not being provided for can keep you in a bad toxic relationship longer than you should be there. And we are just witnessing a wonderful story of a mother of four children, an abusive father, Mm -hmm. she left. And we are watching God provide for her, give her a job, uh, provide uh, some very strong positioning for her in the custody of the children. Mm -hmm. We're just watching God. And she stepped out having nothing, uh, much at all. And Mm. so we would encourage people to trust God's love and provision Mm -hmm. because he will not let you fall. If you're being hurt, he loves you and he will hold you and he will provide a way. We don't know how. The person does not know how, Mm -hmm. but he will provide a way. Amen. And there is light at the end of the tunnel. That is so true. um, Yeah. Get healthy. work on your old patterns, work on your healing, inner healing, and work with God, walk with God, mm-hmm. and you never know what he's going to bring along. That or, is so true. Yes, yeah. you never yeah. know. Yes, you never know what he brings along. And as Kirk was saying, as far as, you know, we, we've got to stop lying to ourselves about, you know, no matter which relationship, if it's romantic or whatever relationship we're in, you know, a lot of times like staying in denial will have you Spending oh. years, you know, we, we're like gaslighting ourselves, you know. Yeah, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. for and sure. We'd love to hear from people if they've resonated with this. If they'll send us an email or visit our website, we'd love to hear from them. And if, if we can chime in and help and be supportive, that's that's what we're spending our life doing. Yeah. Now. And we are actually have Facebook too, Deborah and Kirk Taylor. If oh, any, good. If, if happy. We're we're getting a little better about checking it more often, but okay. we definitely are, uh, would love to have people contact us there, ask us questions and, uh, you know, just contact us there too. Deborah okay. And, and what I'll do, I'll put the link, uh, to you guys' website oh. as well as the Facebook. I'll, you know, friend you on there and put the links in there. So that way if people want to go out there, and click and try to reach you guys, they can do that, you know, yeah. either, even buy yeah. your book as well. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. comments, questions. Yeah, we mm-hmm. love to hear from people. Yeah. Yes, that is wonderful. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Valley of Grace podcast. And uh, this will probably be released within the next couple of weeks. But this has been such a blessing. I really uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, taking your time out of your busy schedule to come on the show and to be of, like you said, some help for some people that's hurting out there. And like, I don't know what to do. You know, should I stay? Should I go? You know, Mm -hmm. there's no sense trying to do it on my own. He gave more than I could have known.
valleys into places to learn instead of burn and perish away in nights never so cold without his grace how could i say that i've seen the world from his great love how could i know what he could love how would i've seen what he had in store for me if i didn't give up and let him be my valley of grace where things would change and maybe they'd take up the cross high again the valley of grace never was the same after he had died the love that refines Change. I've seen the lights of 